evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Mahoning Drive-In Theater, the largest single-screen drive-in in the United States. We're certainly glad you could be with us this evening. And don't forget the concession stand is open with all kinds of great things to eat and drink. Mahoning Drive-In Radio, your old friend Virgil back once again for another exciting episode of the podcast. As you guys know, the only podcast dedicated to the love and revival of our beloved drive-in culture. Joined as always by my co-host and general manager extraordinaire, Mark. Say hello, my friend. Hello. It has been too long. Also joined by uh, King Jeff, projectionist and owner at the Mahoning Drive-In Theater. Say hello, Jeff. What it is. What it is, my brother. What it is. Man, we are in the offseason, and I am going through that phase where I really start to miss you guys. I'm really missing you guys. And that's not just to you two guys on the call, but to everybody out there listening. It is like a piece of our heart is just, it's taken during the offseason. It really is a shift going from the ultra social life into kind of the the normalcy of life i guess we could call it what would you boring part is what you're trying to say the boring part (laughs) yeah in comparison to the madness at the mahoning it's tough to uh explain it any other way but it's been a while since we recorded and we wanted to give you guys a little bit of updates on what's been going on so um i guess right off the top mark has been an international traveler As you guys know, Mark is our Uber producer with the Patreon as well as the podcast. So with him being out of town for three weeks, I guess, almost three weeks, we had a little bit of a mini hiatus. But Mark, why don't you fill people in on what only looked like the greatest trip imaginable? It was insane. I never thought I would do this, but uh, Val, being Italian of Italian descent from Italy originally, she made it happen. And we went to uh, Italy for two and a half weeks. It was Val, her father, and I initially. And then uh, after the first week, he left, and then we kept touring. So we went to Rome and Bologna and Turin or Torino and uh, Parma and back to Rome again in in that amount of time. And it was amazing. It was a very film-centric tour of Italy. Um, We went to Cinecita Studios and took the tour there. We went to uh, the uh, Cinemateca, National Cinematheque in Bologna, which was amazing. Uh, and we went to the uh, uh, National Museum of Cinema in Turin, which was amazing. And they had a Tim Burton exhibit there with all these original props and artifacts and sketches and you name it from his films. That looked so cool. It was amazing. And uh, one of my favorite things, uh, this is like the highlights version. I'm not going to bore everybody with what I did in my summer vacation for the next <laughs> I easily could. But th- th- we'll save that. We did a post on our main Facebook where I post pictures from uh, the Profondo Rosso store that I went to, which was the store run by Luigi Cozzi, who is the man who gave us Star Crash and the Lou Ferrigno Hercules, among other things. And it is a store dedicated to Dario Argento, his friend, and horror films. And it's just like, it's a dream. It's amazing. I'd wanted to go there for like 30 years. And I took a lot of photos and we posted those to our main Facebook. So the envy of many, for sure. It was like, oh. It's a mecca for many people, you know, those uh, Jalo fans. It's I'd wanted to go there since I was a kid or, or since I was like in high school when I found out about it, when it first opened back in the 90s. And uh, Luigi Cozzi runs it like this famous <laughs> Italian filmmaker. We we got there a little early and we saw him unlocking the store and walking in. And he's just he's the guy running the register. So and, and he's happy to talk about his films. He's very excited and, and, and sort of uh, touched when you buy like his merch that, that's there. 
And I talked to him about film a little bit. I talked to him about the Mahoning a little bit. And I mentioned to him that uh, we had run Star Crash in the past and people loved it. And people keep saying to me, when are you going to run Star Crash again? So he was really happy about that. And as I left, he said, keep showing my film, which I thought was pretty funny. Amazing. Um, while I'm there, of course, Val and I both were like, okay, we're, we're looking for Italian soundtrack albums and we're looking for movies and books. Yeah, digging for the gold. And first of all, if you're going to Italy and you're looking to find weird old Italian genre films like I am, I hope you speak Italian because almost nothing has an optional English subtitle track. And really, why would it, frankly, when you think about it? But uh, very little that I found did. So I, I held in my hand probably 100 movies I would have bought, and it's probably for the best that they didn't have any English translation. <laughs> I was able to pick up the first two of the new Diabolic films that were made in Italy the last few years. Uh, Danger yes. Diabolic is the Mario Bava film most people know. They started making new ones again a few years ago, and the, actually the newest, it, the newest incarnation, the newest installment, was going to come out in the theaters, and they had posters for it everywhere. They had a standee taunting me at the airport and it wasn't going to come out until like two days after we left so one of the things there was maybe somebody's showing it early you know here they do that they do these preview fan screenings a week early no not so lucky no um, one of the things in looking for these things is uh, there's a record label i love called four flies records based on the argento film four flies on gray velvet and they do a lot of cool funky italian soundtrack uh, reissues and compilations on lp and um, I messaged them. I said, you know, I'm in Italy. I'm fr I, I kind of cannily. I said, I'm a big fan. I've traveled from America and I'm only here for a week. And I'd love to know I'll come for you. <laughs> what retail shops. I, I really just wanted to know what retail shops does your is your product featured in. So I know where to go because I want to buy some. And the reply was, why don't you just come to our headquarters? Wow. Why don't on. I? So we took a taxi to this little unmarked door. Again, I'm going to post about this on social media somewhere, either my page or the Facebook or the Mahoning page or something. We went to this little door that was unmarked and we rang the bell and somebody comes to the door and I said who I was. And they said, oh, well, you can come in, but we're having a meeting right now. Now, uh, lucky for them, you know, I said your secrets are safe because I don't speak Italian, but it was them planning on upcoming releases and listening to tracks that were being remastered and all this other stuff, <laughs> blowing my mind while I'm <laughs> through all the bins of records that they have. And their meeting ultimately ended and we each bought. I spent more re money on records in Italy than I've spent on records probably in the last decade. Like, I don't spend <laughs> a lot on records. And I you only live once, baby. I, I, we just go. I just went a little bit mad sometimes. And uh, they were super nice and super cool. And they helped us like call a taxi. At one point, both guys were on their phones and laptops trying to figure out how they could get a taxi to us to pick us up because it was in the middle of the <laughs> And so, yeah, I, I, I helped the Italian economy. We both did. Uh, in terms, How many of opportunities are you going to have? Like, you know? thought. It's, all, it's all stuff you can't get at home. And yeah. uh, look, unfortunately, like I found a really great bookstore that was cinema centric and every every book was about movies and they were about like really deep dish genre titles and stuff but they were again all in italian only so i'm just like oh it's a book yeah. about 70s italian sex comedies and i can't read it it's a book about 70s italian cop films and i can't read it it's an amazing looking book which i should have bought anyway about the italian spy movie ripoffs of bond in the 60s with all these posters oh, it was gorgeous yeah. there are these huge really expensive books about italian movie posters it was it was unbelievable. So we did all that. We went to film locations. I went to the uh, the main fountain that's featured in Argento's Deep Red. We went there and um, all of the the scene in that beginning of the movie where the murder takes place, it all was shot in that one space. So you can walk from place to place from like shot to shot and see what it really looks like now. Movie. 
Um, so there's, yeah, I took a million photos, a million videos. We went to Venice overnight, which was amazing. Walking around Venice at night, you feel like you're in a horror movie and you walk around and you're like, I, I can't believe more horror films weren't made here. And when you see how the streets are laid out in this labyrinth, uh, you can understand why more films aren't made there because <laughs> trucking gear would be a nightmare. But it's, it's like you're walking around the whole time. Like you said to me when I was sending you pictures and stuff. It's like you're on a film set. Like it doesn't feel yeah. real. Yeah, exactly. They love cinema in that country. So there were amazing shops selling vintage and reprint posters. Um, a couple of really great record stores. After a while, I said, I don't want to, we're not going to record stores anymore. I'm done. I, I cut if, myself if, off. <laughs> if I say I want to go to a record store, tell me no. And then, <laughs> you know, we would be walking and I'd be like, we should look in. We should look because you never know what you're going to find. We really should look. And she, Val would be like, you said no more records. I'm like, I, I know I said that, but we're here and we should look. <laughs> I found a personal holy grail. I found the original soundtrack to the movie Super Fuzz or Super Snooper or whatever. It wow. Was. That's I found that at the Four Flies yeah. store, actually. Uh, they had some used vintage stuff. And uh, yeah, I found a couple things I've been looking for for a long time because uh, I figure, you know, this is a corner of the world where maybe every copy hasn't been scooped up already. So sure, uh, yeah. I did find that everywhere I went, people spoke English everywhere I went that was a shop or a, a, where there were service personnel, let's say they spoke English very well or well enough for them to deal with this idiot who didn't. Well, that's speak a plus. English. Yeah. So you weren't totally in the dark walking into no. places. Yeah, um, I, I felt really I felt like a little kid half the time because I was having Val like order my food for me because I'd look at the menu. Yeah. I don't know what this <laughs> is and uh, did do all the talking and things like that. But uh, I, I did realize that pretty much everywhere will speak English. And even if you don't say anything, they'll say something to you. And if you don't reply, they'll say it in English, figuring it's some tourist. <laughs> I went to a tiny little bookstore. We were looking for giallo paperbacks. If people don't know, giallo was the Italian 70s thriller, horror movie, mystery. The early Argento films would be called giallo films. And they call them that because they're based on a series of paperbacks that some company put out that had a yellow cover and some really lurid graphics on the front. And I was looking for them. They're really cheap. They're like finding Harlequin romance novels here. They're like literally like a buck a piece. And some friends were wanting me to find some. So I found a bookstore near where we were staying and I bought a bunch. And uh, Val, while I was shopping, Val was talking to the shop owner about the Mahoning Drive-In Theater in Lehighton, Pennsylvania, USA. And he was really into that. And uh, I wound up talking to him and he was recommending all kinds of film noir films and film noir books to me because he was a big fan of that. It's called the Fahrenheit, it's like a Fahrenheit 451 themed bookstore where they had all these original lobby cards and posters for that. Come film. on. Various oh, editions of the book. Yeah, uh, I've said I kept saying to her when we were when we were there, it's like I'm not going to leave the house for about three months after we get back. I've spent so much money that I didn't have <laughs> and, I have culture overload. And it's yeah. And uh, so we wound up shipping things back because we, we brought a lot of suitcases, but we were buying so much stuff in terms of like heavy stuff and records. And we kept finding little places to ship things. And I, I was just given a message while we've been recording this, that the final box the final box from Bologna is has arrived tonight. So we're going to try to take a picture of all the stuff we bought there. And I realized the only way to do it is with an aerial photo. So I'm going to actually, <laughs> the, the where I'm recording now is a loft and it looks down over the, the bedroom. So we're going to try to lay everything out on the bedroom floor. And I'm going to like lean out the loft window and see if I can oh get a photo. Oh my gosh. But the, That's I, great. I, it's That's just, great. It's a record lover's dream. Even if you're not just looking for soundtracks, uh, a film lover's dream. And uh, I'll, I'll try to somewhere, like I said, online, I'll probably 
go on and on more about this with more detail if anybody ever is going to go there. I know when we posted about Profondo Rosso, several people said, you know, oh, yeah, I went there. I was there last week. I was there last year. They're posting their own pictures. So it is really a, a mecca and a destination for people. <laughs> and uh, It's a beautiful country. The food was great, if anybody wants to know. Although I, I said when I left, I, if I don't have pasta and pizza again for a couple months, that's okay. <laughs> uh, they they really love cinema there so there's so many film festivals and film institutes and film museums um it's it's it was really incredible i i would love to go back you know we saw a lot but it was we were moving at a pretty good clip like i was really pretty exhausted yeah. when we got back and then not not but a few days after we got back we we hustled ourselves off to philly for an exhumed uh italian horror marathon keeping uh, it going yeah just like yeah. i thought just left this place <laughs> and, and Val had brought back you know, some candy and some goodies for, for people. So she was handing it out to friends, letting them have you know Italian chocolates. And the uh, guest of Ooh. honor at this screening was a woman who, as a child, was in a couple of, she was in a Lucio Fulci movie, House by the Cemetery, and another film called The Great Alligator River. And she's you know all grown up and Val was offering her some, some chocolates from home and things like that. So it was, uh, yeah, I don't want to hog the whole show talking about this, but it was amazing. And uh, if you find me or us online, there'll there'll be a lot more revelations to come if nothing else photos of all the cool media that i bought yeah it was great living through your social media posts yours and val's and just seeing all the cool stuff the connections you guys were making it's it's incredible you know and the, and the tv there okay so i didn't watch anything in the theater it was the longest period of time i've spent i think in my life that i can remember that i did not watch a movie in some form uh, because I figured I couldn't understand the movies in the theater. Nothing is subtitled in English. American movies would play in in, in English, but it's like I don't want to go all the way to Rome and watch the Marvels. You know, it's, sure, it's, I it's that. a waste. Right, right. But the TV channels we would turn on. We love spaghetti westerns. Uh, we love Italian crime films. I love the goofy, dopey Italian comedies that were made in the seventies and eighties. And there are channels that just have nothing but that. So there was like, a, <gasps> and now I call them a spaghetti Western channel. For them, it was the Western channel, but it was seventies <laughs> yeah. Italian westerns, and I didn't, I couldn't understand it, but I just love the style of those. There was one called the Westerns and Peplum Channel, so it was either a Western or a Sword and Sandal movie. Um, there was some weird sleazy Caligula ripoff movie that we played one night that we watched some of that was just gross and wonderful. There was some, <laughs> one of those goofy Italian comedies about a funny looking short guy and some tall statuesque woman who knows Kung Fu. I, I didn't understand what they were saying. That old bag. It was uh. still funny, you know? So yeah. I kind of sort of watched movies, but I didn't really like see anything beginning to end while I was over there. But I, I realized while I'm there how much I really love Italian cinema of like the 60s, 70s. And like, even there'll be places where there are photos on the wall of like Monica Vitti or Alberto Sordi, or I found a cinema that has a statue of uh, Toto, who was not the dog, Toto, who was one of the big <laughs> across from this yeah. old cinema. So I took a lot of pictures of theaters that I found there. And I've got a, I do, I do a movie review thing I've done for a long time. And I've got an Instagram page for that. So I've been posting the theater photos there. It's a country I've seen on film forever, and to finally go there was like you know walking around in a movie. But uh, yeah, I can't wait to go back. Yeah, like an absolute That's dream. That's um, great. So cool, such a cool um, experience to have. You know, 
I always joke with Nance. I was like, we're going to use our off season to get some culture. I was like, you actually did that. <laughs> Uh, I can, yeah, uh, I'll know, say he did. Val's the expert, but I can certainly kind of give tips and, and some pointers if anybody's going to go. We went business class, which I normally never would, but we we were Val ponied up for the tickets to to fly first class and in, in, in style because it's a ten hour flight and most there's like no legroom in most planes, and we wanted to be able to get a good night of sleep on the plane on the way over. It's the coolest in flight safety video I've ever seen. It looks like a really well shot film, and it's the only in flight safety video I've ever seen that features kung fu and curling. I heard that right, right? <laughs> kung fu and curling. Do you know? You never know what you're going to get. You never know what you're going to get. Yeah. Okay. That's all I'll say on the map. Well, right. for us, uh, we were able to button everything up at the theater. We were able to celebrate as we always do at the end of the year. Uh, with our annual crew party, I gotta say, not having you and Val there was very strange. It was very, so yeah, it was. It's the first it one weird. of those since I was a friend and volunteer that I wasn't able to go to, and it just felt weird. It's a huge uh, celebration, as you guys know. We're all about traditions here at the Mahoning Drive-In Theater, but it's something that we've been doing literally since year one. We will get together either a week or two weeks after the season ends, and We'll just get together the people that made the magic happen at the Mahoning Lot. That's from our amazing crew to the artists that volunteer their time and their work to vendors to diehards. It really is a collection of all things Mahoning brought together on one night. We had a really great time. How was it for you, Jeff? Yeah, it was fantastic. All the after-season parties, I think, are fantastic. Just thinking about them right now over the past few years, several years, and uh, they're all great. They're all fantastic. The fact that Mark and Val were missing this year, yeah, that was very unusual, but I have to say everybody that was there had a great time. Yeah. It's always a unique, too, and unique feeling because it's everybody who works there, there, but you don't have to do anything, you know? Yeah. Right. Just, there isn't that pressure of, oh, there's a show to do, or, oh, you know, we, I have to make sure blah, blah, or what if something goes wrong? It's like the most relaxed we ever have there. Because everybody can right. Everybody can can relax and be themselves, and it's really great. We were able to do a, a nice bonfire like we always do. It's a potluck scenario. So over the years, there are certain dishes that everybody looks forward to. And I say I can't end the year um, unless we get Sheila and Diego's empanadas, which made their appearance again this year. Did you have uh, Michael Gingold's beef stroganoff? You know, Gingold wasn't able to make it. We he heard I wasn't going to be there. I figured, what's the point? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, we had uh, some new additions this year as well. People uh, showing off their culinary status, I guess uh, you could say. But it was really great. We went all the way through the night, a lot of us. We were able to go out and celebrate in the morning as well with a little bit of uh, our final farewell to the lot and... Uh, to the crew so it was really really great and as far as buttoning up the theater what goes into that i know we may have talked about it before but on your end jeff what uh what has to get done when uh when the season ends now it's good to do it every year like this because uh some of the folks out there may not have heard the older podcasts but um every year the water has to be shut off the lines have to be blown out with compressed air so that there's no water left in any of the bends anywhere that could freeze and rupture the pipes because some of them do go underground 
So they've got to be blown out. Now, this year they did something different for the first time. And I'm in since I've been there in 2001. This is the first time instead of blowing out the pipes completely, they put antifreeze in all the lines. Wow. Yeah. I don't know if they were getting sick of using the air compressors or they were breaking down too much or something like that, but they don't have them anymore. So what they did is they put antifreeze throughout the water pipes to mix with now first they drained them as far as they could so there's not that much water left in the lines anyway but then they pumped in the antifreeze which will give it like a 50 50 mix or a little bit more of antifreeze and uh they should be fine i just thought it was different i'm like well why you know what happened to the compressors I, well you know we didn't like them that much anymore and uh, i do know in the past they had trouble sometimes yeah, 75 pounds per square inch. I mean, that's pretty good pressure. But sometimes they had trouble getting to the very ends of the water lines with a good amount of pressure. So this time they did antifreeze. And uh, I think it's. I think the results are going to be the same. I think the pipes are very well protected. Excellent. And then, as far as the booth goes, we want to take out all the sensitive electronics that really shouldn't be there during the winter because it gets below freezing. And there are some capacitors in the electronic equipment, you know, most capacitors have liquid inside of them that will eventually freeze if it gets low enough. So we take out all the circuit boards, all the removable circuit boards. We take out the lenses. We take out the intermission reels. Anything that shouldn't really get to below freezing temperatures, we take all that stuff out. And then we also take down the big antenna. The AM, FM antenna also comes down and gets put inside so that you don't get ice and snow and then it melts and then it runs down inside and then refreezes right don't even take a chance with that stuff you take it inside and on my end i was able to get everything buttoned up really quickly this year that was the the great thing mama beth is like on her a game she actually wasn't able to make the crew party either unfortunately her father took a fall and she had to take care of her dad but not having her at the party was a really strange situation was, yeah yeah. But she got that stand looking tip top. And just like you've always told her, Jeff, the better it looks going out, you know, the easier it is coming in. So it'll just make her job that much easier as she comes back and we come back for the 2024 season. But um, I was able to bring in anything that's outside pretty much. We move it on inside from the cones to the tables to the, you know, lawnmowers, anything you can think yep. of the cones. Um, yep. And then the digital booth, of course, we clear out that digital booth, just like the 35 of any sensitive equipment, getting all that right. stuff out and stored in the off season. And uh, it's amazing. You know, we're coming up on our 10th year of our partnership and going retro here. And right. it's nuts. Like the amount of time it took us to button up and close up this year, it felt like record. Like, man, are we getting good at this or what? You know, but we really mm -hmm. do. We have a well-oiled machine when it comes to closing the place down and getting it ready for its slumber. And uh, exactly for anyone who would like to visit the lot in the off season, uh, be aware that we have placed 35 strategically located landmines throughout the field. Yeah! <laughs> That's right. The so security best, system always works. <laughs> just drive by on the outside, yeah. because honestly, when we come back, we don't even remember where we put them. So it is, uh, <laughs> that is sort of, I wouldn't say initiation is, a, is an ugly word, but whenever we have new hires, it's just like, we, we <laughs> metal detector Sorry, and Donnie. shovel. And, uh, <laughs> you know, 
But that's something worth mentioning. I mean, you know, we have great customers. We don't have any problems with that. But uh, we do have cameras strategically placed to watch the place when there's nobody there. And we have live people that actually drop by and check on the place uh, at least several times a week. So we're, we're good and covered. Get down! It's a super soul show. Four blackbusters all on one big show. Blackbuster number one, Black Mama, White Mama with Pam Greer. Number two, Black Caesar, the godfather of Harlem. Number three, George Stanford Brown in Blackjack. And number four, Blackula, deadlier than Dracula. Remember, all four films are on one big super soul show. Rated R, under 17, not admitted without a parent. We are in the mode now, actually before we started recording, of plotting and scheming for the 2024 season. It happens almost instantly. Um, and even during the active season, we start talking about some ideas that we got going for the next year. But we have a good amount of time. We just had, what, one down, five months to go? Am I right, Jeff? Yep, we just passed one month down and five to go. Yep. So in these five months, our plan is to massage that calendar. So when we start releasing those events, it sits oh so well and just knocks your guys' socks off. And uh, there's some, of course, that you guys can expect to make its return. Every single year, we like to keep with some of our annuals, but it's also about pushing that bar a little bit and uh, trying right. to jump that bar from the year before. And really, the stuff that we got brewing is... Uh, it's looking great. We cannot wait. And uh, on top of that, we spend the off season doing a lot of promotional events. Being that we are seasonal, that gives us um, a good amount of time to get out there with the public, which I absolutely love, love, love to do. Uh, right. Whether it's at the horror conventions or the comic book conventions or the punk rock flea markets. Um, you guys will see us out and about. Over the next couple months, slinging flyers, selling T-shirts, shaking hands, and kissing babies. Or is it the other way around? I don't know. Kissing we'll hands and shaking babies. <laughs> you were asked to leave that one convention due to that. but Yeah, that's unfortunate. That poor baby. But yeah, a lot of fun for you guys to look forward to. Of course, the podcast in the off-season and the Patreon in the off-season. They don't go anywhere. Oh, no. Um, in fact, yeah. we like to add new elements there. We were just talking about a fun off-site event that we are trying to put together for the Patreoners. So those of you guys that are not on the Patreon yet, I got to say, it's it's the perfect platform for us being that there is so much material to share on the socials that it gets overwhelming. We've talked about it in previous podcasts, how much of the personality do you show versus just straight promotion. And uh, the Patreon is really designed to flex that personality as well as give you the inside dish of the business. It's it's just the perfect model. I'm, we, I feel so lucky that we have something like this, you know, and uh, the perfect way to kind of keep it in touch with our diehards. It's, it's kind of a living archive in a way, because it's, if we find like really old things related to the Mahoning, we'll, we'll post them there. Um, I do this thing called flashback, ideally every week where I, I take old print ads for the Mahoning and talk about what we ran, we being whoever was running it 40 years ago, 70 years ago, um, and talk about the movies and, and a little insight into that. And everything that goes on at the theater, as much as we can, I record that and post it there. So any 
intros, if we get video intros from celebrities, actors, directors, what have you, if we ran it at the theater, that is archived on the Patreon. I recorded the majority of the DJ sets from this season at the theater. So just like you're sitting in your car listening to the DJ sets. Um, That's what it's I recorded and, and we have yeah. some recordings that you had made years ago that I'm slowly going through and putting up there too. So um, I'm trying to put those up. My idea right now is to put them up on the same day of the week they originally happened. So on a Friday at 6 p.m., you can hit play and it act like you're at the Mahoning sitting in your car waiting for the movie to start. And there's there's a lot of those. So those are going to be there's a, I built up such a backlog because it just gets so busy during the season that in the off season, yeah. hosting if not every day, at least three times a week, new stuff to the Patreon. So it's uh, it's fun. It's a fun creative outlet for several of us. Actually. Yeah. 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 That's another reason why I love the off season is, you know, it's sometimes it's hard to find the time to even breathe during the on season. But the off season does allow us uh, the opportunity to flex the creativity a bit and uh, put those right. pieces in place that allow us to be creative and, you know, beyond the creativity, it also allows us to hone in a bit on the aspects of our business. Uh, we were talking a little bit about lot rentals, things like that before uh, we started recording and just certain things that we really love doing at the theater, finding better ways to offer them, finding ways to promote them and get them out there to the world. As you guys know, especially listening to this podcast, it's like it's an it's an ever changing business. And we are more than open and willing to pivot and try some stuff out. So we're really excited to try some stuff out for this year, for sure. Yep, absolutely. <laughs> projectionists stop the show here's great news you ought to know we've just got a shipment of taste thrilled treats all tip-top quality and delicious eats there are hot dogs and popcorn and candy galore there's soft drinks and coffee and a whole lot more so direct your steps to our refreshment stand to enjoy the finest snacks in all the land What else we got going on, Mark? Well, I wanted to find out because I, I like to learn, you know, more than anything else about the Skowhegan Drive-In and our relationship with the Skowhegan Drive-In. I actually went to many years ago in Maine and they closed recently after being open for many, many years. And they contacted us about perhaps receiving some material from them and Jeff, take it away. <laughs> yeah, uh, I've known uh, Don Brown for a long time. And it's such a shame as far as the closing goes, because there for several years, it did well. But where he's at, even with digital, even with doing first run, it was hard to bring people out the last couple of years. He just was always remarking to me how it was kind of going downhill and he was trying to hang on and do the best he could. And it finally just got to the point where and it's not like he's up in age either. I mean, he's got some he's got some gas left in the tank, but it just became such a problem getting people to come in up there. And who knows how people think? I don't know if they don't realize that they had something special or if they just grown tired of the place after all these years. But it's just such a shame because he finally had to give it up. This was the last summer 
that it's going to be open because he's selling the property. He closed early this summer, uh, even before Labor Day, because uh, the, the folks just weren't coming in. So now he's going to sell the land. And of course, the people that are interested in it, they don't want to drive in theater. They don't want nothing to do with it. So something else is going to go in there. So the screen is being dismantled. I believe if it's not done already, it's going to be very shortly. The screen is going to be dismantled. The only thing the new owners want is the uh, building. They're going to keep the concession building. I don't think even Don knows what they're going to do with it. It's obviously not going to be concession stand anymore. But they're going to keep the building. But everything else is going. So we were able to get, because we're always looking for spare parts for our stuff, we are going to get a couple of spare rectifiers, a couple of spare lamp houses, I believe a spare processor, sound processor. We're also getting another grill in case Beth has room for one. Now, we're not sure about that, but we will have a spare in case we need one. We're getting his grill. What else are we getting? Oh, we got all of his intermission reels, and they're 35 okay. millimeter. And I was so grateful for those because they are period appropriate. They are from the 50s and early 60s. Awesome. And so they're... Yeah. And so now we have a really nice selection. I thought we had a nice selection before. Now we have a really nice selection of old intermission reels. A couple of them are black and white, but even the color ones are very old. And uh, so I'm so grateful. Did you get a chance to run any of those this season? Yes. Yeah. He brought those down first, uh, even before he closed because he's digital. So he couldn't run them anymore anyway. So he brought those down early. So yes, if you noticed some, throughout this last season that hmm, I never saw that one before. That was probably one of his. That was probably one of his. Yeah. Some gems. Yeah. Some gems on there. And I love whenever we play the classic trailer reels because Jeff takes the time to inform the audience where they came from. Yeah, the intermission reels, yes. And you know, they're gonna hear more often, oh, this one comes from the uh usually I say the Diamond State drive in. There was there's a was a drive-in in Delaware called the Diamond State Drive-in, which makes perfect sense. It's known as the Diamond State. Well, that's where those intermission reels started out, because Don Brown ran the Diamond State Drive-in, and those reels are actually from there. Then, when he lost the Diamond State through no fault of his own, because the owners didn't want to keep it anymore, he got the Skowhegan up in Maine. So he just took the intermission reels with him from Diamond State up to the Skowhegan. So if anybody throughout the season heard me say, oh, these come from the Diamond State drive-in, that's those intermission reels. They actually started at the Diamond State. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that, those are his. Those were Don's. And it's such a heartbreaker whenever any drive-in theater closes. Um, and like you said, he had an incredible run when it comes to running drive-in movie theaters. And there's really nothing that you can do to put your finger on why it didn't work out for that area or that one. You know, it's it could well, be yeah. so many different things, but it really so does hurt. Yeah. Uh, like when the Mahoning was first run, we did great when I first started there in 2001, first run. And this has nothing to do with 35 or digital. I'm just talking first run period. And back then it was all 35. But we did great. We did fantastic. Uh, Pirates to the Caribbean, one of the best franchises we ever had at the Mahoning. I'd sock away 10, 11 grand every night. It was fantastic. And then for some reason, maybe it had something to do with the new indoor theater down the street, which by the way is now gone. We actually outlived that. 
but yeah. maybe the streaming was, services, whatever. Yeah, exactly. It just gradually started to fade and nothing that we did any differently. We kept putting on the same show, but uh, for whatever reasons, the same thing at the Skowhegan, for whatever reason, people lost interest. Yeah. Maybe it had something to do with uh, us not being as familiar with the uh, social platforms that were coming along at that point. Maybe we didn't jump on it fast enough. That's very possible. But it did fade. And then when uh, when Virgil and Matt came on, why they kind of took up the social platform end of it. And I held down the 35 millimeter end of it. And uh, Virgil, of course, is my film agent now because he's very good at it. He deserves it. And we it started picking up. Like I said, the first year, 2014, was a roller coaster. It was up, down, up, down, up, down. But then 2015, she started on an incline, like a permanent incline. Got a little better every year, a little better every year, a little better every year to where we are now. And uh, we are all dedicated, believe me, to keeping it that way. <laughs> oh, yeah, without a doubt. Yeah. And we know, you know, how much love and passion and just downright work it takes to not just revive a situation like this, but to run it, you know? So yeah, exactly. the amount of things that can come to the plate for somebody is, uh, it's kind of endless, you know, but right. we do thank and that's him. Why, the, uh, right. And that's why we run. have managers. That's why myself and Virgil, we delegate because you can't do it all yourself. It's impossible. Even for two people. That's why we have managers. We have Mark, we have Sandy in her area. We have Beth in her area. We have a lot crew, which is kind of an area in itself. So all these people have management positions because one or two people, you can't do it by yourself. You can't not and do it the right way, not and do it the right way. Which we, we did for a while, you know, when we were running the, the tight system, you know, it was a lot on us a lot. So, you know, bringing in the group management business model was the greatest move ever. It allowed us to really open up the umbrella and also yeah. hyper-focus on those things so we were able to do them that much better so yeah we had to do it in order to expand we had to do yeah. it and incredibly grateful for the uh incredible managers that crush it every single yeah. year amen yep and it reminds me i just saw that the santee who we did an interview during our owner series they'll be shuttering come the 31st of december so they won't be uh moving into 2024 which is sad to hear how much do you know about the story? Do you want to relate that? It's an interesting story because their official statement was today saying due to declining attendance, they they won't be continuing operation anymore. It's just one of those things where the family decided it was it was time to not not be a drive-in anymore, which is a shame. Apparently they do have one another. The people in that community have another drive-in that's close by. Um, yeah. But if anybody wants okay. to hear you know, our conversation, if you just scroll back through our episodes, it's uh, it was one of the ones we did last summer, interview with the essay. Hey, he was so great, too. It was a, yeah, it was a really fun show. Uh, yeah, but they cite loss of customers, high costs of the business, competition with streaming services, so they're no longer able to afford to stay open. But and let me throw one more thing into the mix, because this happened a couple years ago at one of the drive-ins down south, which, as you know, the ones down south are open 365 days a year, basically. Yeah. What happens is some of these owners get to the age where they can't physically run them anymore. 
And I'm kind of approaching that point, but I, you know, I'm too stubborn to give it up because I just won't do it because I love being there. But the point is, some of the owners have nobody to turn to. Where I've got, you know, Virgil and Mark and these great managers that we have, there are some owners that the kids aren't interested, the family doesn't want it, stuff like that. And they basically have to sell it, even if it's to a Walmart or a Turkey Hill or any kind of thing like that, because they just have no choice. There's nobody else to run it. Nobody in the family's interested and they can't keep it anymore. And that that's just as big a shame, you know, just just it's such a shame. Oh, without a doubt, you know, and when we came in, that was a big part of the kind of thought process and model that we put in place is, you know, this is something that needs to be able to survive for another 75 years and can't be totally reliant upon any one person, you know, so that's the beautiful thing about the kind of structure and management system that we have now is, God forbid, Jeff gets sick, I get sick, whatever the case is, there are more than enough people that know how to jump in and fill those shoes and wear that coat in in an amazing way. So that, that's another plus too. I didn't think about that, that if he had yeah. somebody to pass it to, it might not be the case. Right. It was okay back before I got a hold of the business because at that point I was just the projectionist and the manager. I ran every film that came through there. I had one night off a week. That was a Tuesday night. And so somebody would fill in at Mike's indoor theater and Mike would come down and fill in for me so that I could have one night off a week. But other than that, I ran every film that came through there. That's fine until it gets to the point where you're the only projectionist that there is. Once Mike was out of the picture, I was it. So I knew I had to train somebody. And even that took a few years to do. But I finally did train somebody so that if I ever got sick, I mean, we're out of business. There was nobody else to run them. And that that can't be, that can't be. And that's always in our head, you know, and seeing these stories, you know, of drive-ins closing, it always hurts. It always hurts, especially the positions that we found ourselves in over the last 10 year run together um, and beyond for Jeff being that he's been in this industry for uh, so long, you know. Since 1978. Yeah, absolutely. A snow cone, please. Cut. What's with this snow cone bit? The word is water. But I want a snow cone. Now let's try it again. Now this time stick to the script. Okay. Action. Water. Water, please. So I get water. But where you are, you can get snow cones. Bring me one. Will you please? Any flavor. But yeah, as far as anything else to kind of button up the theater, now we kind of just uh, go into off-season mode of working on the promotions, working on the calendar. Is there anything else I'm forgetting? No, I don't think so. I think you've got the off-season pretty well nailed. It's mostly you and I getting together, sometimes just the two of us. Yeah, that's worth mentioning, for sure. Every Thursday we get together, yeah. Right, Every usually every Thursday we get together, we talk about what's been going on, what's coming up in the business, what we're going to do next year. Uh, Later on, we'll have some of the managers with us before the new season gets here. But mostly it's meeting and planning. And when we have a niche market like we do, where we show retro and classics, that kind of stuff has to be planned just because of the availability of guests or prints or whatever. Uh, You kind of have to meet during the off season so that you have a successful next season. And the beautiful thing is, you know, we do learn so much every single year. The business changes, the 
atmosphere in general changes. So, you know, naturally yeah. there's little things that we shift, but I love going in and hyper focusing on little elements like we talked about earlier in the episode where we can, even though we have no time in the world during the season, we can focus in on something and say, hey, how can we offer this better? Is this something that we can, you know, turn the the screw a little bit and, and make right. it work a little bit more efficiently? So right. things like that. And, you know, like you said, naturally bringing in the uh, the managers, getting everybody's input as far as rolling into the new year. It's exciting. I love yeah. this time of year because being able to work on this calendar and put things in place, finally be able to add some more people we've been wanting to work with over the whole entire season and find a place for them. It's yeah. uh, it's incredibly exciting. Absolutely. It definitely is. Trying to do this on the fly would be very difficult. Again, I think of our neighbors down south where the drive-ins are open all year round. Try to imagine our drive-in open all year round and yet having to plan ahead, it, it would it would really be burnout city. Uh, so I'm glad we are where we are. And I know we can adapt. If for some reason we had a drive-in down south, I know we could do it. But I'm glad that we have that break where we don't have to push ourselves as hard. Yeah. And you've said it many a times. We've echoed it many a times on the podcast. Having that break really does allow the fan base to miss it and appreciate yeah. it and not have it be a situation like some of our closing drive-ins where it just becomes part of the landscape and you forget about it. Right, right, exactly. Give them a break. It gives, it even gives uh, the customers a break and then they have something to look forward to in five, four months, whatever. Yeah. That's right. That's right. Well, this has been a lot of fun, guys. Uh, it's so good to be back in the saddle and uh, putting out some new material for the fans. Again, can't say enough about the Patreon. If you guys are missing us or looking for a great way to support us in the offseason, the Patreon is the greatest way to do so. Mark, why don't you tell them the uh, the link? You don't need to give them the whole breakdown. Sure. It is patreon.com forward slash Mahoning Drive-In. And as Virgil said, it is a way to support the theater financially that helps us out because there is traditionally has not been an income stream in the off season. And there are expenses, you know, tail end of the season expenses and there are expenses going into the upcoming season. And we have, you know, our, our film library storage and our extra equipment storage. There's various fees that we have to pay right. around and the Patreon helps offset that, which is greatly appreciated. Right electricity is ongoing yeah and we try yeah, to give yeah. back in patreon many many times over the value that anybody pays for patreon in terms of content and interesting things and it's it, i'm the one who manages the page and i'm trying to i want it to be as good as i want it to be the kind of thing i think would be worth paying for so uh yeah don't think yeah. i'm sleeping on it in the off season no, there you what go. I do in the off season really now. there you go yeah and when we started it the idea was like let's uh let's try to build this community even further and it's been a humongous success in that aspect in that we know these people first name basis we truly uh all loved to gather together we're always looking for new uh fun things to do together so if you're a, a film fan or a mahoniac as uh as gene likes to call call the uh, mahoning yeah. fans uh, yeah, be sure to jump on in and uh, stay tuned for all the fun coming up. And I guess on that note, Jeff, take it away, my friend. Ladies and gentlemen, thanks again for coming out tonight to the Mahoning Drive-In Theater. We hope you'll come back and see us again real soon. The exit is on the right-hand side of the screen at the front of the field, 
and most importantly, have a very safe trip home. Good night and God bless you.